This is the Amazing Teacher Podcast with Sam Rangel, episode number 15. Welcome to the Amazing Teacher Podcast, where we sit down with amazing teachers and pick their brains for tips, strategies, and ideas that you can take into your classrooms and be amazing. Now, here's your host, Sam Rangel. Welcome, amazing teachers, to the 15th episode of the Amazing Teacher Podcast. This is Sam from successintheclassroom.com, and I want to thank you once again for taking time out of your day to listen to the podcast. You know, one of the questions I ask the guests on the podcast is, what are some qualities that are common among amazing teachers? And if you notice, many of them say that amazing teachers are lifelong learners. They're always looking to learn how to be better teachers. Even if they've been teaching for several years, they're never satisfied with last year's lesson plans. And they're teachers like you. The fact that you are listening to this podcast shows that you are looking to learn how to give your students the best educational experience of their lives. And, and that is amazing. We need more teachers like you. So thank you again for listening in. Uh, today, my guest is Judy Holtz from TBD Teacher. I asked her what the TBD stands for, and uh, she has quite a few options for us to choose from. You know, I, I had a great time talking with her. We could have gone on for hours. She teaches eighth grade, the same grade I taught for over 20 years, and anytime you get middle school teachers together, we just start sharing story after story, because if you've ever taught middle school, you know it's a very unique adventure. Judy offers some great advice, especially for middle school teachers, but advice that can be used at almost any grade level. And again, I just had a great time talking with Judy, and I know you will be inspired by what she shares on the podcast. So without further ado, let's get right into the interview with amazing teacher Judy Holst. Ready? Here we go. Today, I am so happy to have Judy Holtz from her blog, TBD Teacher, on the podcast. Welcome to the show, Judy. Thank you for having me, Sam. Well, thank you again for taking time out of your day to sit down and, and let me pick your brain about teaching and, and uh, you know, what you're doing in class. First of all, um, before we begin, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your teaching career, how you got into teaching, and uh, maybe why you became a teacher, and what does TBD stand for? Well, that's such a long story. I have always wanted to be a teacher since I was in third grade. My aunt was a teacher. I had a fabulous third grade teacher. And from that point, nothing would stop me. So I went to San Diego State, San Diego State University to get my teaching credential and my master's and started mm -hmm. teaching then. But jobs were really hard to come by. This was the early 90s, and there weren't a lot of teaching jobs around. Um, but I was determined. My very first job was at a 100% African-American school. Uh, it was a Christian private school. And I was making $10 an hour with no benefits, no plan time. We had to wear skirts and dresses and pantyhose. Uh, we had to serve the kids a hot lunch. And so it was a very unique experience that was a little different from when I was student teaching. And I was a kindergarten teacher to start out with. So a little different than what I'm doing right now. But so I taught kindergarten for two years and second grade for one year. Um, then I went to become a sub in the public schools because it was really the only way you could get your foot in the door. 
And the women wouldn't even hire me as a substitute teacher unless I was willing to sub in a middle school because they couldn't find teachers to sub in middle school. So I did that and I ended up in Santee, California and um, got my foot in the door at Cajon Park Junior High and became an eighth grade language arts and social studies teacher, which is a little crazy because I didn't remember even taking social studies or history classes in college. So that was a scary experience for me. But um, I, after that, I, be, I moved to Colorado and I became an eighth grade language arts teacher here. Um, and this is my 22nd year of teaching. I now teach in Douglas County in Colorado and um, with wonderful kids. I love teaching eighth grade. I did leave the classroom for a little while. I needed a change. And so I became the literacy specialist and gifted and talented facilitator for four years. And mainly working with both ends of the spectrum. I worked with gifted kids and I also worked with kids that were struggling in reading. And I also coached teachers on how to differentiate for kids. But then I missed the kids. And I kept trying to find ways to get back into the classroom. And I returned to the classroom and love it. I just love it. As far as my TBD, it's kind of an interesting story. I had a student last year, her name's Alana, and she wrote a blog about her school day every single day. And if you've never seen your classroom through the eyes of your students, it's a little bit of a scary experience. And so I said, oh, I can do that. And I'd never written, I'm not much, I wasn't much of a writer then and started a blog and I didn't know what to call it. I didn't even know (laughs) what blog formats were out there at that point. And so I just left it as TBD. Then I became fascinated with the whole TBD and what that could stand for. And so TBD, I just let people decide. I have many options. It can be teaching by design, teaching buttheads daily, (laughs) tortured but determined, tiny bit dorky, totally brain dead, too busy disorder. You get to decide. That's so cool. That's so cool. Uh, To be determined was originally, right? That's what it was. (laughs) That's so cool. And then, and now, now you have, uh, have quite a, quite a few, quite a few that that's so cool. Now, what you mentioned about middle school, a uh, couple couple things that just that just uh, connect to to my my beginnings. I I subbed as well. I subbed in in every every uh, grade level, but I was I looked too young for high school, elementary. I just couldn't smile enough. You know, it was just just not, <laughs> not me. But so I was stuck in middle school. I was stuck in middle school, and so I spent my whole career in middle school, and I started as a language arts social studies teacher. Oh, funny. And my degrees in language arts, and I ended up teaching all history at the end of my career, which, because I just love the history part. But again, uh, two different, two coincidences between us. Um, right. You, you mentioned the blog format. We, I talked to you earlier about, well, I emailed you earlier about the uh, the Tumblr. I I found you on Tumblr, which, um, you know, I just started my Tumblr blog and you know it's it's not really out there as far as I know you know it's not one of the more popular blog formats but you know again I'm so glad I found you and uh, you know you have great great uh, posts on there and I just got to get more into Tumblr 
Well, you know, it's funny because it's really known as a photo blog right, right, place. Right. But since I didn't know blogging, I actually um, put it on my Facebook. Does anybody know of a great blog format? Well, my niece, who was in her 20s, she uses Tumblr. And then a past student who's younger as well uses Tumblr. And so it's a much younger audience. But I think that's been a benefit because I started noticing that all of my followers were young teachers or teachers, you know, people studying to be teachers in college because they all use Tumblr. Tumblr. Wow. So in a, in a roundabout way, it became a great starting yeah. place for my blog. Well, that, that's interesting. That's great to hear. Uh, maybe I'm too old now, but, uh, but that's good. I mean, if, if this podcast is, is uh, geared toward the new teacher, soon-to-be teacher, maybe more on Tumblr would be a good idea. That's awesome. It doesn't hurt. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, you mentioned you taught eighth grade. Again, right away, I, I, I saw that on your blog and made you one of my favorite people of all time because that – you know, anytime I can connect with an eighth grade teacher, it's it's like we, we share something unique because those eighth graders, they're like a different species sometimes. They are. They are crazy fun, though. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're right in that middle of that uh, identity stage. They don't know who they are yet. But as teachers, we have such a great opportunity to to direct them in the right way. And I, right. I love that uh, being being a middle school teacher. Do you find that? I do. You know, eighth graders, they make me laugh so hard every single day. I can't think of a job where you would laugh every single day. And eighth graders can be brutally honest. Mm -hmm. I think it takes a different type of person to teach eighth grade. You can't have thin skin. Um, but I also think that they're still young enough that you do have an impact where they're not thinking college 24-7 or their job 24-7, they still come to you with your, their problems. Um, they still like to hang out with you before and after school. But I also stay in touch with a lot of my past kids. I call them my kids. They're always my kids. Yeah, right. Um, and, you know, they've had an impact on my life, too. So it's a great age. I don't think I'll teach any other age anymore. I agree. Uh, I loved it. I loved it. I taught six. I taught seven. Um, but eighth grade is just that one year where they're old enough to have more serious conversations, mm -hmm. but young enough to be um, moldable. You, you can still you can still connect with them and have an impact that's going to last a lifetime. I think that was that's a great time in their life. And I think, you know, that's a great tip for new teachers is to be open to trying different grades because you really don't know, you know, all my life I wanted to be a third grade teacher. End of story. Didn't know I, you know, would do kindergarten. Never thought about middle school ever. Never entered my mind. And so you really have to see where your niche is. Um, like don't say no to any grade till you find that niche. Right. All right. Um, you talked about them being brutally honest. They're do that. They they're honest with themselves, which causes time, you know a lot of conflict. Sometimes they don't know the power of their words yet, and they'll they'll go up to someone and tell them, "Hey, you're fat," you know. Right. And it's uh, it, it's it's easy for kids at that age to get discouraged. Peer peer mm -hmm. pressure is so important, and that's why I think uh, as teachers, you know, we serve as that support 
that encourager, that, that person that offers them that praise that maybe they're not getting uh, from their peers or even from their, in their, at their home. So I think, that's true. Yeah. So I think, I think it's, it's a great age. And, uh, again, I love talking with, with middle school teachers They they just, and I like talking to all teachers. I don't want to offend anybody, but, <laughs> but middle school teachers, we have, I don't know, maybe, uh, some kind of connection. Uh, I think yeah. so. It's why I love to go to the Amelie conference, the middle school conference, because you're with all the like-minded teachers who are as crazy as you are. So tell me about that. What is that? I've never heard of that. Amelie is an association of middle level education. It used to be middle school association, and then it changed. Um, I presented at the Amelie conference in the fall, and it was held in Minnesota. And it's middle school teachers from all around the world. You know, just thousands of us all in one place. And I like it because when you go to a conference, you always have to make it either fix to your level or whatever you're teaching. And so when you go to the middle school conference, it always fits to your level. And um, I don't know. I just It's a great organization. I think the magazine they put out is uh, wonderful also. Great articles. I'll, I'll put a link on the uh, show notes too. <clears throat> to that uh, Emily conference just so people can take a look at it. Um, you know, a lot of new teachers, because uh, the, the spots are filled in elementary and high school, end up in middle school. That seems to be a place where there's always an opening. Uh, right. So uh, this is probably good, good for our listeners because you might end up in middle school. And uh, if you're like Judy and myself, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. And you'll stick around. Well, I read your, your most recent post, and uh, I was very, very uh, inspired by what you're doing there. You're talking about using a television show called The Shark Tank to, to teach a lesson. Can you please tell us what you did there and uh, how you used Shark Tank to connect with the kids? Oh, and, and mention the parents, involving the parents. That was, that was really cool. <laughs> Okay. The Shark Tank, it, it kind of came about in a roundabout way. I was sitting there watching this Shark Tank show, and I teach a advanced language arts class, and I also teach regular language arts. And my advanced class was participating in National Novel Writing Month, where they write a novel in one month. And I wanted to figure out what I was going to do with my other classes. I wanted to engage them. I wanted to pull in cross-curricular activities. Um, and pop, mm -hmm. popular culture is a great way to pull in kids. And I, I'm a huge fan of the Shark Tank show. And so I started thinking about, you know, what if, could my kids do it? And that was the first point. Could my kids do it? Do I have enough time? How far do I want to take it? So I had them create inventions to solve a world problem. And what they thought were world problems were actually kind of funny <laughs> because what are problems to them really are sometimes silly to us, but they were so creative. I wish 75% of their products that they could actually invent and have them work. So they had fun with that. They could work in, they could work as a group of three, a group of two, or they could work by themselves and they kept an invention log. I told them they need to keep an invention log because what if their invention does become real? 
What if they actually take it all the way? You still need to have that invention log that you're logging step by step of what you did. And we went on the U.S. patent website, which they had never seen before, and they had to search Mm. whether their product had already been invented and patented. And we looked at some of the funny inventions that are on there. Um, They had to patent their product by blogging about it on their blog. So if somebody was lagging on their homework and somebody logged in an idea before they did, theirs was officially patented. Um, So that was kind of fun because they were all racing to get that part done. It was almost 100% homework completed at that point. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They had to do a blueprint of their product. So where they were talking about function and size and labeling all of it. Um, they had to price out their materials. So they went online, figured out what it would take to build it, how much each of it would cost, how much do they want to make an hour, and they had to figure out how much they wanted to make for each product. Um, From there, they had to figure out how much of an investment they wanted to ask from the sharks. And we talked about, you know, what does it take? How much do you have to pay for advertising? How much would it cost to rent a factory? Are you going to build it out of your own garage? Um, And then we also talked about equity. How much are you willing to give up of your business in order to get an investment from the sharks? So it was a lot of financial literacy pulled into that, which if you knew my math skills, (laughs) that's a little funny. But I enjoyed it, so I think they got it, and they enjoyed talking about it. And then I also decided I wanted to pull in art. And I hadn't thought about this till later. And I was thinking, how do you have someone do a business logo? I spoke to the art teachers, hoping that they would switch classes, but they were, you know, it was really busy. It was the end of the semester, so I totally understood. And a parent said to me, well, I have a design business, a photography business. I'd be happy to come in and teach the kids. I am all about having experts come into the classroom as much as possible. I do not know everything, nor do I ever fake that I do. So a uh, Lori Warhane, who is a photographer, came in and taught the kids how to do logo design. And just their conversations about how a business name represents your product and how that logo is going to represent your business was just real world conversations. So they designed their business logo. And then the last part of that was they had to write their presentation proposal. I've done it before where they had to do an invention and write a commercial. But then I thought, well, how often do people write commercials? But you really do propose things a lot in real life. You propose things to a boss. You propose things to your parents. So we talked about persuasive skills and appeals and all of that. So they had to write their proposal script. The last part of it was the icing on the cake. I said, you've learned everything I want you to learn. Now we have the parents come in. And this was the part I was terrified about because you never know what kids are going to do. And I had to keep in the back of my mind, parents think the kids are adorable no matter what. It does not matter what they do. Parents, you know, they'll laugh at whatever. They think they're cute. It's all good. So they came in, I had them all sign up, and it was a lot of parents that went through in two weeks. It was different parents for every single period for a two-week period. 
and they were the sharks and they were crazy fierce. I don't know how the kids did it. I provided them with some possible questions and I told them, I really wanted to be real world. Mm-hmm. If you would not invest in this person in, in real life, then say you're out and tell them why. I don't want it to be that everyone gets an investment if that wouldn't really happen. So they asked their questions wow. and the kids were spot on with their answers. I, you know, I said, make up your answers, but you have to make them up on the spot. You have to be quick about it and confident. And I was just so proud of them. And some parents offered an investment, some countered, some, um, sometimes the kids asked what they would bring to the business if they had multiple offers and then they had to decide. And they had to explain why they chose that offer over somebody else. So I had many parents go home and sign up for other days because that's so much fun. And I love that part of it. Um, The man that writes the blog for the Shark Tank show is going to do a story about it on this this week on his blog. Cool. It makes it real for the kids. Um, I, I was just so proud of him. It was a small idea one Friday night that turned into a month and a half unit. Um, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that I I was so impressed. So it was so cool just that 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 assignment. Um, and I like I told you earlier, I was speaking with Dave Burgess from Teach Like a Pirate uh, from his book Teach Like a Pirate, and he talks about using that creativity, take taking the concept and then being creative with it and creating a, a, a lesson. And I think that's exactly what you did. You, you could have found some, some kind of uh, maybe project in the textbook right? That, that could, you know, comply and fulfill the requirements. But instead you found we're going to connect with the kids and, right. and you let your creative juices flow and you create this awesome project and the kids are going to remember this. This is something that not only they learn, they're going to look back and say, I remember I did that. Every time they watch Shark Tank, they're going to think of you and think of the project. And uh, what a great, great uh, assignment. Thank you. I think Shark Tank will have to thank me for all their new viewers now. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) I agree. Uh, I do a um, court trial at the end of the year with my kids. And everyone has a part. And they actually run the trial for three days totally on their own. And the parents come in as jury members. And that's, you know, you just, you have to pull the kids in that way. You figure out what you want to teach and then you create a project performance-based assessment around that where they learn everything they need to know, but yet they're still having fun and they're engaged. Right. Awesome. Awesome. There are a couple of things that I want to point out or ask you about. Uh, you had kids group into three, two, or one. Why different size groups? I let them choose. So there are some kids that don't want to rely on others all the time. Um, We're moving into debates right now. And so they have to rely on their partners. You can't debate by yourself. So I wanted to give them, there there needs to be some times where they can work alone, but they still talked to a lot of their table mates through this whole process. Um, And then there are some kids that don't want to work alone. They need to work with somebody to... Um, be cooperative with them. So sometimes I think they need a choice. I don't think it should always be forced upon them. I, I think that's that's the point I was I was uh, hoping you'd come to the choice. That's so important, especially with middle schools. Um, when when I was teaching, I said, okay, you can work in a partner, or you can go solo. 
just just that uh, choice. Because some kids would rather work by themselves. Right. They're real shy, especially in eighth grade where they're so conscientious about, you know, everybody, what they think. They work better alone. Um, but offering that choice, I think that's a great lesson for new teachers um, to to be open to letting kids have a little bit of freedom in the class. I think so as well. I, I think they need to learn how to do both. Because I don't think you can give them choice every single time on group size. Mm -hmm. Because in today's world, most of it is innovating with a group of people group. and creating with a group of people. So they really need to be able to do both. But there are times where you just want to work independently and take it as far as you can go. So giving them a choice sometimes is good. Very good. Very good. Like I said, I wanted you to share that, uh, that assignment on the podcast because I think it has so many elements that new teachers can pull from and uh, use in their classroom. And I think the main one is being open to use whatever uh, pop culture, you know, the, the latest trend, mm -hmm. uh, whatever, just to get the concept across. I think that is uh, one lesson. Again, new teachers, they want to they want to impress. They want to make sure that they're doing the right, the right, uh, the right things. And so they stick to this textbook a lot. And amazing teachers are okay with putting the textbook aside and just being creative. No doubt. I agree. I think choice is big. But I think it's, you know, finding some guidance. You have to find that teacher in your building who you can bounce those ideas off of. When you're a new teacher, you try to be this perfect person. And you try to do it all. And, and you can't. So maybe it's teaming up. My very first unit I did this year was is called This I Believe. And I co-taught it with another language arts teacher who I consider an amazing teacher. And we, you know, spent a couple weekends together and days together just planning out the unit and just bouncing off, having that person to bounce ideas off, off of is so important. So as a new teacher, don't try to do it all, but find that person that you can help develop a unit. Great advice. Um, well, Judy, before we begin, I want to congratulate you on your Apple Award. You emailed me that you won the Apple Award for your school. Can you tell me a little bit about that? The Apple Award is given, uh, there's one per school in our district. And there is a nomination process where students, parents, and teachers can nominate a teacher at their school. And then from there, our school narrowed it down to three teachers, and they voted. And so there's one per year, and then you fill out a, an application for the district that has a lot of essay questions and so on, and they choose finalists and a district award winner from there. But, you know, I work at this school where teachers are amazing. It's, it's a school where they push you and push you and push you and you can't fall behind. So I'm just honored. I'm honored to have been chosen at our school just because I think there's so many great teachers at our school. Well, congratulations. Uh, well deserved. Thank you. I'm just honored. The purpose of the podcast, Judy, is to sit down with amazing teachers like yourself and pick your brain for tips, strategies, and ideas that new teachers can take in the classroom and be amazing. You've already shared with us um, great, great tips and advice. In your experience, I know you've run across amazing teachers. You've mentioned that your school just is, uh, has many amazing teachers. Can you tell us what are some qualities 
that are common in the amazing teachers that you uh, you come in contact with? I think the one of the most important qualities is to be passionate. You know a passionate teacher when you meet one. They're passionate about kids. They're passionate about what they do. Um, they are lifelong learners. Because they're so passionate, they want to keep trying new ideas and learning from ideas. And uh, I'm kind of known as a teacher resource book geek because I love reading teacher resource books. And I read them and I annotate all through them. And I don't always go back to them. And sometimes an idea will pop into my head. I'm like, wow, where did that come from? And I just know it comes from the reading. And it, it inspires me to try different things. There isn't a year where I teach the same lessons. And my husband said, you know, this is your 22nd year of teaching. You would think you wouldn't spend all Sunday planning. Right. But it's the fun part. It's the, you know, the creative part is the fun part sometimes. So lifelong learners is a big one. You know, and just learning technology in today's world, I think, is a big part of being a lifelong learner and not following, falling behind. I think that an amazing teacher needs to connect with kids. You, you can watch a group of teachers with a group of kids and know who connects with the kids. I think being a language arts teacher makes it a little bit easier because I learn their lives in their writing and I learn what their interests are. But it's also standing outside and saying, hey, how was your soccer tournament today? Or, you know, good luck on your drama rehearsal that you're trying out for. It, it's, it's knowing what's going on in the kids' lives. I start a lot of my class periods with an attendance question. And such as, I don't know, if you could star in any movie, what movie would you star in and who would you play? Or, you know, if you had one last book to read, what would it be? Something along those lines. And I, that's when I learned the most about the kids. And I go through, you know, it's 10 minutes out of my short class period, but it's 10 minutes that is well worth it to be able to talk to them later and to let them know that I care. So I think connecting with kids is huge. We also yeah. make a huge deal out of birthdays. So we, I have an entire whiteboard devoted to a student whose ever birthday it is, which, mm -hmm. you know, when I have 160 kids, <laughs> it's keeping track of it. But the kids can write messages to the kids all day long. We, I don't let them sing because eighth graders singing is not a good thing, but we pound on our desk <laughs> and the student gets to talk about what they're doing for the day. And I give them a birthday sticker. Eighth graders still love stickers. They get a piece of candy. They're good to go. They feel loved for the day. So it's just, it's a big part of, um, being a good teacher is just knowing what's going on with the kids. That, that, that again, just. So strike so close to home, the birthdays, no, no singing in eighth grade. They all, can we sing? Can we sing? No, we don't sing in eighth grade. <laughs> no singing. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious because it, it just, you know, you go down the, the hallway and you hear kids singing, but they're the seventh graders, you know, or the right. sixth graders. But eighth graders, we don't, we don't sing happy birthday. But again, <laughs> we make a big deal. They like the right. stickers. They like the candy. They're still kids. But uh, that's, that's hilarious that the way uh, it brings it all back. The connecting with kids, uh, like you said, that is, that is so key. Those 10 minutes, like you said, it 
10, minute, 10 minutes out of your instructional time, but those 10 minutes come back to you when uh, that kid wants to misbehave or some other kid wants to mis misbehave and, and that kid <clears throat> that you spent 10 minutes on will keep him in check or keep her in check because, hey, don't mess with my teacher. Don't mess with, you know, Miss Holtz. It's, it's just very valuable investment, those 10 minutes. It is. You know, in every Friday at the end of the day, I stand outside our, we call it a wing area where all our classrooms are. And I high five the kids on the way out the door. Have a good weekend. You know, as many of the kids as I can. And some give me a hug. Um, it, it's just, it's so funny because some will come back three more times just to hit your hand as hard as they can. <laughs> <laughs> but they know I'm slightly germaphobic. So giving me the high five is this huge deal on a Friday. Um, so I don't know. It's just nice. It's my favorite part of teaching. Right, right. It's so cool. I mean, in my position now, I deal with a lot of the uh, discipline. I'll have kids mm -hmm. in who are in trouble. But you can still, even if you have to, you know, give a consequence, you, you can still do it in a way that you connect with kids. And even even the next day, I'll have given a kid a detention or, or um, you know, lunch on campus uh, detention. And they'll say, hey, Mr. Rangel, how's it going? Like, like uh, it never happened because of that connection that that we've created previously, and it's it's great. It's great to have that ability to you know high five a kid, and they'll they'll high five you back. You, know, you put your hand up. Right. Sometimes the kids won't high five you if they don't have that connection. Right, and it you know it does help with discipline. They they know I love them, mm -hmm. and so they don't like disappointing you. Right. Um, and so I think that makes your discipline so much easier. Very true, very true. Well, um, many new teachers and even some veteran teachers struggle with classroom management. And I think uh, new teachers, this is that one area where they're going to have that, those challenges. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give a new teacher uh, who might be struggling with classroom management? Well, I have one rule in my classroom and that's it. I don't sit down and come up with rules with the kids. The very first day I tell them I have one rule and that's respect. Respect yourself, respect your peers, respect me, respect the classroom. Because anything they could ba basically do would be breaking that one rule. Mm -hmm. And so anytime I see that, I'm just, you know, could you be respectful? And they know exactly what I'm talking about. I don't have to go in this, you know, litany about what they're doing wrong. Hey, could you just be more respectful? And they get it. So I think that's a big part of it is just figuring out what's important to you, but don't, they don't like a lot of rules, especially if you're teaching middle school. And if, if you start out the week or the year with these are my rules and you have them plastered on the board, I would have tuned out that teacher day one. So I think that's a big part of it. Um, going back to the connecting with the kids, I think not yelling at kids is a uh, great advice. It just kind of reminds me of those cartoons where the teacher is wah, 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 and it's going in the other, you know, out the other year. Right. And, you know, I just, I stand in front of my class and I stare at them <laughs> because it makes them feel awkward and they know that that's how they're, that's their cue. They know I'm ready. And some days it will take two minutes of staring but if I was to sit there and yell at them, it would have a totally different effect than I would want. And so 
normally one kid notices somebody else, you know, that I'm staring at that kid, they're nudging them to be quiet and we go on. Now there are times <laughs> when I have yelled and they get it. They're like, Oh, she's mad. And you right. hear a pin drop at that one point. And last week I got frustrated and I yelled and then I slowly started laughing. <laughs> I said, Oh my gosh, that felt so good. Let's all yell. Let's just get it out of our systems. <laughs> And we went on and you just have to handle it that way, um, which kind of leads to it's OK to laugh with the kids because they're they're funny. Kids are funny. And if you're so strict about don't get out of your seat to go sharpen your pencil or, you know, there there's kids that just can't sit that long and you they need to get up. And that's OK. You have to be OK with that. There are kids that say funny things and you, it's okay just to stop and laugh and then move on. Um, it's the teachers I think that struggle that don't get the kids. They don't get the age level that they're teaching. The, in middle school, they need to be independent, um, but they need to have structure. They love knowing what's going on for the day. They know that this isn't this and this is going to happen. So you still have to have that structure in the classroom, which I think is really important. Um, one of the most important things is praise. The more you tell kids how great they're doing, they are they want to live up to that. So, you know, tonight I wrote an email to a parent saying, hey, I just want to let you know that your kid is awesome. They put a smile on my face. They're working hard. Um, they make my teaching life easier. And the parent wrote back and they were shocked. They're like, well, that was such a great email. Thank you so much. It was just not what I expected. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're used to seeing their name and coming from school and it's something else. So I think pulling in the parents is a really important part of discipline as well. Let the If I do have to write a note home, I let the parents know we're working as a team. Because the last thing you want to do is make parents feel defensive that they're not a good parent. And so if you let them know, hey, I just want to let you know this is going on. Can we work together as a team? Can you talk to your child tonight and let me know how it goes? Done. It's usually handled at that point. What, what great, just, again, I love talking with, with eighth grade teachers because it just brings back all these awesome memories. That not yelling in class. You have those moments, but they're like, almost strategic mm -hmm. where where it has that impact but to do it every day you lose you lose any kind of any any kind of ability to to uh, control the class at that at that stage uh, I, used, I used to do that just stand and stare just wait you stare at one kid and wait till they tell him hey he's looking at you he's looking at you <laughs> and then you move on awesome um, I like what you said about independent but with structure especially in eighth grade, middle school, they need that structure. Very, very good. And then um, praise, so important to these kids because like, like we said earlier, sometimes they don't get any praise. Right. Or any, any comments from the friends are, are negative or are they bringing them down. So any praise, especially from an adult that they respect, has a great, great impact on them. And then laughing at the kids. Laughing with the kids. Yeah. Not at, but what, what? Sometimes we laugh at him, but that happens yeah. in the teacher's lounge. Yeah. <laughs> but they'll say funny things, and some teachers will just lose it, you know, and, and just kick them out of class. But it was funny. And, you know, I think amazing teachers will recognize that.
laugh with it, and move on. Right. You know? And uh, very, very good, good advice. I Just, think was- um, one important thing to remember, too, especially if you're teaching older kids, is to never embarrass them. Mm-hmm. Never approach them or confront them is a better word. When they're with their friends, while they're in class, it's, you know, hey, uh, Mary, <laughs> we're always picking on a guy. Can you step outside of class? Right. And you move on till you can meet with them a couple minutes later and go over it with them. Removing them from the situation is huge. Sometimes I say, can you see me after class? And kind of mean in a way because I let them just sit there for a couple minutes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm fixing something on my desk and then I get to them because I want them to think. I want them to think about why they're there and what they're doing and let them calm down a little bit and then have a discussion. It's not. I tell them what I want from them and I usually end it with, but I still love you. And I think that's important to let them know, too. That's how my parents raised me discipline. And then they came in and gave me a hug at the end. And so I kind of pass it on to my students as well. I think that is that's awesome advice right there. Um, those kids, especially at that age, will do anything to save face in front of their in front of their friends. If they have to, you know, get suspended or say some mm-hmm. safe face, they'll do it because their friends are more important than than uh, being humiliated. Uh, yeah, I would tell the kid, meet me outside, and then they'd meet, they'd they'd wait outside, yeah. and I'd had them wait out there for a while. And I'd go out there and I'd give them a choice. All right, this is what you did. I didn't like what you did. Uh, I'll give you a choice, though. You can go in and, and you know, do what you're supposed to do, or I can send you to the office. What do you want to do? And they always said you want to come back in. Right. And uh, I said, all right, well, uh, I need you. And I give them in, uh, explicit instructions. This is what you got to do. Don't just go in the classroom. You're going to go in there, sit down, get your pencil, and begin working on the assignment. Can you do that? And that's all. That's all it takes. Right. It's and it's over. And it's over. <laughs> yeah, it's over. And and uh, there's no need to get the administration involved or to have a, a further discussion because just they're kids. They made a mistake. You dealt with it and move on. And I think that's a great point about the administration. And you know, you being an administrator, I'm sure you can relate to this. That when I actually do send a student with a referral. They know it's huge because it only happens once or twice a year, whereas you have the teacher who's referral for gum or something along those lines. Well, just, you know, have the kids spit it out. Have them clean your room after class or something. Right, right. Administration goes, oh, no, not another one from that teacher. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And, And even today I had a student sent up and I go, what? This teacher never sends a student up. So I knew it must have been a big deal. Right. Because there are some teachers that deal with it in class because they understand the, the age and, and they, ha- they have those connections. So um, we, we know. We know when, um, when it's serious, when that one teacher who never sends a kid up has to do it. Well, um, do you have a favorite quote that has inspired you as a teacher, Judy? Well, I do. It's, it's kind of a silly one just because it's the one I've put on my cover letter ever since I started teaching on my very first resume. And it's by Vygotsky, who was somebody I studied in college. And it was what a child can do in cooperation today, he can do alone tomorrow. And I really like that quote because I think of myself as more of a coach and a facilitator. 
And so my job is to provide them with the tools. Give them a choice of tools. Hey, these are the tools you're going to need in life, in high school, in college, and later in life. And then you get to decide which ones you want to use, which ones work best for you. And so having them work cooperatively with kids, having them work with me, is going to let them be successful later in life on their own. So just a quote that I always try to plan around. Great, great quote, Judy. If you could sit down with a new teacher just starting down their career and you only had time for one piece of advice, what would that advice be? One. Oh, my goodness. Just one. <laughs> just one. <laughs> you know, I had a principal. Her name's Pat Deerberger, and she recently retired. And her question she always asked when we came to a new, for a new idea was, is it best for kids? And every time I plan something out or – because I always have these great ideas – but I don't always think they're going to be, you know, wonderful. And, and I hear her in my head. Is it best for kids? And if I can say yes, and it's going to take me, you know, a million hours to get it done, or it's going to be hard. If it's best for kids, then I think it's the best thing. So my advice to them is to take risk. It's okay to fail. Um, maybe not try too many your very first year. <laughs> but know that it's okay to make mistakes. Because if you're willing to take risk and it's best for kids, then you're going to be a great teacher. Right. Awesome. Great, great advice. Great advice, Judy. What is happening right now in your life that you are excited about? <sighs> um, you know, my blog has kind of changed my life. And so I'm excited about that because I never thought of myself as a writer ever. And so that has been fun, just connecting with people. I'm starting to do presentations at conferences. Um, I'm presenting in a week at a digital conference. Um, and then I presented at the middle school conference. So just training new teachers, I really like that. I think it's fun. Or training teachers, period. So I'm excited about where that side of my professional life is going. Um, and right now, I, I love the kids I have this year. And so that makes me excited because you don't get that every year. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can agree with you there. Um, but it's, again, I've been so uh, inspired by, by uh, talking with you, Judy. It just brings back all these great memories that I had as an eighth grade teacher. And I'm so uh, excited for, for your kids because I know they're going to have a great year. Um, with you there, just caring for them and, and being creative with them. And I'm so glad that you're able to share your your wisdom here on the podcast. What can people, where can people find you to say thank you for all that you share with us today? Well, I have my blog, which is tbdteacher.tumblr.com. They can also find me on Twitter, either under Judy Holst or TBD Teacher. either way. Happy to connect with new teachers. Well, I'll definitely put those uh, links on the, the show notes. Uh, it's been a pleasure, such a, a, really a sincere pleasure, Judy, talking with you and getting to know you. And, and uh, I'm so glad that I had this opportunity to, to speak with you here on the podcast. But, you know, Sam, I, I just want to tell you, I appreciate that you do this for new teachers. I, uh, I follow your blog. And... Um, I get great tips, even after teaching 22 years. But I think just 
as a new teacher, this type of advice that you're providing um, is so helpful. So I think it's great that you're doing that. Well, thank thank you, Judy. That means a lot. You know, like I like I told you before, I'm I'm out of the classroom, but this is my way of of, of teaching, and and I love it. I love it, and uh, I really have been inspired by so many of the the guests, including yourself. You know, I, I enjoy I enjoy doing this. So to the listeners, I know you've received a lot of great information in this episode. Now it's up to you to take it back to your classroom and implement what you learned today. So until next time, be amazing. The Amazing Teacher Podcast is brought to you by successintheclassroom.com. Learn more about being an amazing teacher by visiting successintheclassroom.com or theamazingteacher.com.